Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello guys and girls, and finally it's time for me to say welcome back to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. I know it's been a long while since I've been back with this uh, podcast. I apologize for that. I promise to make it up to you guys, especially all the amazing patrons that keep supporting me anyway. I promise you guys a few more live Q&As, hopefully already next week, but if not next week, then the week after. I also already have a great guest lined up for one of the future episodes, and that's Pulele Gobichan from India. So I'm really excited about that one. But today is going to be an episode with only me talking. I will, of course, go into the Olympics, my Olympic experience, being in, in Tokyo, commentating and watching all the matches. And I will also look ahead a little bit onto what is coming up for me in the next couple of months. And in the end, I will do a few listener questions. So let's just get right into it, talking about the Olympics and my experience of it. I was there for 12 days. I arrived the day before the badminton event started and I left as soon as it finished, so the day after. I didn't really have any freedom to move around Tokyo or anything. I stayed in a, in a hotel, not in the Olympic Village like, like the athletes, but just in a, in a regular hotel. Uh, so we were only allowed to be at the hotel or at the stadium where the badminton matches were on. So we, we took the bus back and forth and apart from that, we, we didn't really go into the Japanese society in, in any way. So obviously it was not like a great cultural experience, but we were also really, really busy with the commentary. We showed almost 75 matches on live TV in Denmark. So we did commentary all the time. That's also why I didn't have any energy or time or yeah, anything to, to do podcast out there or even any training. I didn't train for one single minute while I was there. I was just busy doing commentary and whenever we had just a little bit of time off, we just needed to, to relax. All that being said, I just, I really enjoyed so much being there. It was, it's always amazing to be part of the Olympics. This is the third time for me. I, I did the commentary for Danish TV and it's been great every time. We really missed the spectators this time. The, the atmosphere is just magic at, at the Olympics usually because the crowd is so, like diverse, it's from all different countries and everyone I just there to cheer on the athletes. There's no bias or anything. It's just an, an amazing atmosphere always. So we really missed that this time. But I actually think when you saw the players on court, you didn't really feel that they missed the, the crowd so much. I'm sure they did, but you couldn't really see it in the performance. I think they were so focused, they played at a really high level and they had the right intensity, even though there, there was no crowd. So it wasn't like we thought about the missing crowd all the time, but especially on final finals day, I, I missed them a little bit. And I actually also felt a little bit bad for, for the players not, not getting that part of the Olympic experience. Hopefully most of, the, most of them will, will get another chance of, of getting that full Olympic experience. But unfortunately, it's not going to be possible for everyone to get back there in Paris what was especially great for me to watch was all the other disciplines and men's singles actually. Not that I did not enjoy men's singles, I really did for sure, but I always enjoy that and I always watch a lot of men's singles. 
but when I'm out on the tour for, for the events where I take part myself, I don't really sit down and watch a lot of the other categories. I, I watch more of the men's singles, but again, of course, not, not all of it, but it is, of course, my main category, so I watch that a lot more. It's not very often that I get the chance to actually follow the other four categories so close as I, as I do at the Olympics uh, as a commentator. So for me, that was actually the, the best experience to, to be able to follow all the disciplines so close. And you, you get to see things in a, in a different perspective. Like, for example, the, the women, women's doubles category, uh, I think in, when you don't follow it closely, sometimes it can have this reputation of being maybe a little bit boring or the matches are too long. But when I watched it, in Tokyo and I followed all the, the top pairs, I, I think it's very, very few of them who actually play uh, a defensive-minded game. If you look at the, the top four, five, six pairs, when you saw them play in Tokyo, I felt like they were just attacking basically on, on all the chances they got. Uh, they, they played all, of course, a tactical game, but I, I didn't feel like anyone was trying to just play long, boring matches in any way. I actually found the women's doubles category really entertaining in in Tokyo. And I will get back to that as well because the women's doubles finals is also one of my personal highlights from the games. Apart from that, yeah, also the, the mixed doubles to follow that closely, the the women's singles, but also the men's doubles. I, I was really disappointed in 2016 in Rio about the men's doubles. I felt there were not a lot of great matches. It was it was all about serve return, third shot. We didn't have a lot of matches with, with long rallies and uh, ex exciting play in Rio. That was the category that disappointed me the most back then. And I would say it's, it's the complete opposite this time. I thought the level in men's doubles this time was really high. And obviously, Lian Wang from Chinese Taipei took it to a, a, another level. Uh, but I think in general, there were a lot of great matches in, in men's doubles. So that was a discipline I really, I really enjoyed following as well. But if we should go into a few of uh, my highlights, and I will try to focus mostly on the other categories apart from men's singles. Obviously in men's singles, doing commentary on a final where Victor Axelsen as a Dane wins the gold medal is a huge highlight for me. That was amazing, especially the way he played. In, in my eyes, he played the, the perfect game in the final, which is, is pretty rare to see that you can do it in there. In the biggest match of, of your career. Uh, I can't really say one thing he should have done better in that match. Apart from from his journey, Victor Axelsen obviously following the rise of Kevin Corden 10 years after he also made that shock quarterfinal at the World Championships in 2011 in London. It was something special and just the more I got to know his story with all his preparations and yet yeah, not being anything close to ideal and coming from Guatemala where Babinson in general, it's a very, very small sport and it's a country that's under a lot of turmoil and pressure during the COVID-19 pandemic. So it was just, it was magic to follow follow Kevin Corden and Victor Axelsen in particular. But if we should focus on the other three events, I've chosen three experiences that I rate a little bit higher than a lot of the rest. The first one is, as I said before, the women's doubles final and following Rahayu and Polly from Indonesia. Indonesia, of course, one of the biggest badminton nations, if, if not the biggest, the crazy passionate fans. 
Badminton is the biggest sport in terms of the Olympics for sure. It's where Indonesia wins the medals. And now they have a full set of gold medals from all five disciplines. This was the first time they won a women's doubles gold. They've tried winning the other four categories in previous editions. So that was a little bit of history, but they also went into the event, Polly and Rahayu, as underdogs. I didn't see them as a medal favorite in any way. They were contenders for a medal for sure, but I didn't have them as, as one of the three, four, five top favorites actually. So to me, it was quite surprising. They actually ended up winning the goal, but just watching them play that entire week, they had this great, great chemistry in court. They had great energy as well, and they just looked like they really enjoyed themselves on court all the time, even in the long matches against the doing you from from china uh, where they they won after i think like one hour and 15 i think they also played a match that was one hour and 20 and they just looked like two players who really enjoyed the time on court i had the same feeling in the final they were just riding on this wave of joy and happiness and just uh, enjoying the moment I, I think they really deserved that gold with the way they played for me they were the best pair that, that in uh, entire week and uh, yeah it's it surprised me but it was just amazing to to see and it was actually also the the one medal ceremony that touched me the most when I saw Rahayu and Polly because of the way they celebrated and the, the magnitude of that victory in terms of what I know it means to to Indonesian badminton. It was it was just unbelievable, and I honestly I I was crying a little bit when uh, they were on the uh, on the podium. I was quite happy we didn't have to do commentary on that. We uh, we stopped the commentary after the final ended, so we didn't show the medal ceremony on Danish TV. But I stayed in the hall and 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 watched it. And yeah, I, I couldn't help crying a little bit when I saw Polly and Rahayo being so emotionally uh, touched by uh, by winning that gold medal. So that was a a real big highlight for me. Another highlight was uh, following the journey of Li and Wang from Chinese Taipei in that men's doubles. They started off losing to the Indian pair in the first match. I, I felt like they looked a little bit nervous. Not that they played bad in any way. The Indian pair is also great and really a pair that's upcoming. But I didn't feel like they played with the, the confidence level I was expecting after they won those three events back in January in Thailand. I also, I was actually a little unsure if I should have Lee and Wang as one of the favorites. Just, the, I know they were ranked three in the world and they won those three events in, in Thailand, but I, I just didn't feel certain that they were actually a top, top pair. Of course, they are one of the really good pairs, but I wasn't sure if they were one of the top two, three pairs in the world. But I have to say that they really proved that they are one of the top pairs, no doubt about that. They beat all the four seats in the tournament after losing that match against India. They beat Kevin and Marcus from Indonesia in a must-win match in the, in the final group match. And it's not so much that they won all those matches, but it's more the way they did it. The way they completely demolished Asan and Sichuan. The way they just beat those uh, Liu and... Uh, Li Junhui and Liu Yuchen from China in the final, like they had no chance at Chinese. They weren't even in the match. You had that feeling, and they were playing great in, in that tournament. So they really took men's doubles to a new level, Li and Wang. And to me, that was a huge surprise that they could do that. Like, of course, I knew they had a chance to beat any pair on the day, but I didn't expect them to be able to completely just yeah as i said demolish everyone and and have 
not winning close matches, but but just win so convincingly. That that was insanely, insanely impressive, and uh, yeah, for sure that's a pair that we need to watch and and have as one of the pre-tournament favorites for all the big events in in the future if they can copy some of the the performance here at the at the Olympics. I thought it was was great to see that still they have this combination where Li Li Yang is is the front court player and Wang Chilin is the the backcourt player but I think they really show that they have upped the game that Wang Chilin is is also a world-class player on the front of the court and they're, they're not so strict in, in having to have Wang Chilin at the back anymore I, I think they they really took the game to a, a completely new and higher level my third and final highlight in terms of my Olympic experience was following the mixed doubles tournament. Not so much because I felt the general level was insanely high. It was high, no, no doubt about that. It was great to see from the Danish perspective, Christiansen and Boy play really well in the in the group stage, having close matches with both Watanabe, Higashino and Jordan Octavianti. But it was just a joy to watch the two Chinese mixed doubles pairs. They played in a league of their own I really mean that it was it was crazy to see how much better those two pairs were when they really got the game going and even if they had just a little bit of trouble they just found a different gear and that honestly I didn't see any pairs in that tournament that had a glimmer of hope of beating those two pairs I really think they showed that if you want to do anything in mixed doubles, you really need to up your game because those two pairs are just, as I said, in a league of their own. I was very surprised to see Huang Dongping and Wang Yilu win the final, but I think they also deserved the gold because they also they played at an amazing level. And I would say, especially Huang Dongping, I think, to me, obviously I haven't watched all of the previous matches before the Olympics, but to me, she looked like a player who had really improved her, her game to be much more complete player who could now also challenge uh, Huang Yaqiong from uh, from China on, on, on the front of the court. So a well-deserved gold medal and it was a joy to watch that mixed doubles category. Right, moving on to what's up for me in the, uh, in the next couple of weeks and months. I'm gonna play four league matches as the, uh, the the next event for me i was supposed to go to korea open in just a few days actually but unfortunately that one got cancelled just as chinese taipei opened it i wasn't supposed to play chinese taipei only korea open but yeah now that's cancelled so there's no international events for me until the thomas cup in in october in aarhus and after that there's just tournaments week in and week out so that will be a really busy period i'm still not exactly 100 percent sure how i'm gonna solve that uh, i also want to prioritize my family life just a little bit so i'll i'll try to find a good solution to that and i'm not gonna complain too much about tournaments all the time because we haven't been playing a lot to say the least so i'm just happy that there are events on and i'm also quite confident that those events in in the autumn and start of the winter will will be held actually uh, most of them are in europe and the, the final ones are in bali indonesia where the vaccination rates are really high and i'm pretty sure also after this olympic success for indonesia they are quite keen on making sure that those two or three events on, on bali are not gonna get cancelled 
So yeah, I'm mostly focusing on Thomas Cup. That is my main goal for this year. It was my main goal last year as well, but it kept on being postponed. But I want to be part of the team and I want to be able to make a difference if I'm called upon in, in the matches. Obviously, I'm in the rankings only the fourth highest ranked Dane, so I'm maybe not the first choice on the on the team sheet. But if I'm needed, I will want to be able to make a difference. So that that's my main focus right now to get in shape for for Thomas Cup so I know I can I can make a difference if I need to play those third men's singles. And I really need to get back in shape because as I said I did not train for one minute in Tokyo and I really I've really felt that after getting back home. I've been a little bit out of shape. Fortunately I did a lot of work before Tokyo so it doesn't take too long to get back into it. Uh, I actually feel a a lot better today and my training only started uh, for real four days ago um, because I, I couldn't get straight into training when I got back home for different reasons let's not get too much into that but I'm getting better and better every day now and now I have about eight weeks seven weeks until Thomas Cobb so I have plenty of time to uh, to get in my best possible shape for that four league matches before then actually the first two are next week so excited about that and it's great to have a chance to compete also at a high level next week i will play rasmus gemke and most likely nat nguyen from from ireland so it's it's matches of high high level uh, high quality so that that's just amazing to have that opportunity now that we don't have international matches to focus on let's do a couple of listener questions as well I got one from Peter on Twitter. He asks about a short walkthrough of my loss to Karan Rajan, Rajan, Rajan from India at the Danish Nationals. And if you think that sounds a little bit strange that I played an Indian guy at the Danish Nationals, it's simply because Karan is living in Denmark. He's lived here for four years now and he even represents Denmark in international events right now. He is still an Indian citizen, he's not a Danish citizen, but when you have stayed in Denmark for two years and you haven't represented another country for two years, you are eligible to play the Nationals. Karan also speaks fluent Danish, by the way, and he plays for my own club, Højbjerg. Yeah. So I, I think it's fine, but obviously it sounds a little bit odd to play an Indian guy at the Danish Nationals. Anyway, I lost to Karan in my first match at the Nationals, the quarterfinal. I started in the quarterfinal because of my seeding. Uh, and to be honest, Peter, who asked this question, I, I'm not really disappointed about it. Uh, before that match, I've, I had only had a couple of training sessions on court after getting back from Tokyo. I was still, I wouldn't say I was uh, jet lagged, not, not in any way, but I was not in any shape to compete at all. Um, it may sound like a ridiculous excuse, I don't know, but I was in bad shape. I had no no control, no focus. I, I didn't I didn't feel ready at all to compete. Uh, I obviously it's a national, so I, I I want to compete, but we also have to. Uh, it's it's an agreement with the the national team. If you're part of that, you you have to play. Uh, I know a few of the guys did not play but yeah they will also probably have some kind of uh, repercussions because of that we we have to play and we also want to give back to to all the the volunteers and to danish badminton in, in general so it was fine i went there i gave everything on court no doubt about that lost in, in three games but i was in no no real condition to play i also got a really bad <laughs> uh, right 
leg in, in, in the end of, uh, of the third game and it was actually I played that match on a Wednesday and it wasn't until Monday that I was feeling okay again in my, in my right leg so that's when I started training for, for real again so that says a bit about how bad my, my shape was Karan played a, a good game I, I felt like but yeah I won the first game because he, he made a ton of mistakes uh, it's not because I, I really played played great in the in the final two games he he kept it in he didn't make the mistakes and uh, I didn't move well enough to to make the pace very high and yeah in the end I just made all the mistakes uh, but again not really something that worries me in any way I know my preparations were extremely bad I didn't expect anything I didn't really feel that motivated either to be uh, to be sure uh, to be to be uh, to be honest um, and yeah maybe that sounds bad but with the preparations I've had it wasn't really a priority my only priority right now is to get ready for the league matches and get in my best possible shape for Thomas Cup the second and final question I take today is from Viking May on also on Twitter he's asking me to look ahead for the next 12 months in men's singles will Axelsen dominate or will, will Kenta Momota be back or will I myself rise to the top of the rankings and I would like to make that pretty clear I don't think that's going to happen that I will rise to the top of the rankings I would like to but I don't see it as being very likely I hope to improve my level for sure uh, but uh, I don't think I will top the rankings uh, that that would be pretty crazy if that happened um, and yeah to be honest I, d I don't believe that's going to happen but less is also okay for me I just want to improve my level I want to be able to compete uh, and I, I definitely see that that I will be able to do that in the next 12 months in terms of will Axelsen dominate well I'm I'm not sure if he plays at the level he did at the Olympics I think there's a good chance because I don't feel like uh, I don't think Momota will be back right now. I, I think he needs some more tournaments, actually, a, a bit more time to play more matches to, to find and regain his his confidence that he had before. I think that was the main issue for him at the Olympics. He didn't look very confident. He look, looked a little bit nervous and he didn't have the same touch at the net. He didn't have defense that he used to. That was also an issue in, in all England. I think it's understandable with everything he's been through. And I also feel quite confident that he will get it back at some point. But I think it will it will take a bit of time. So in 12 months, yeah, maybe I'm, I would imagine that he's back at, at his best. But I also think Victor has actually... Uh, He's reached a higher level now, so I think he, he will have a better chance against Momota. But obviously, when you're down 14-1 in head-to-head -head score, there's also a, a mental issue that you need to get past when, when you play each other. And I saw this crazy stat after the Olympics that, that this was the first time on the senior circuit that Victor won a tournament where Momota was actually present. All the other tournaments he won, there was no Momota in the draw. So that, that's a pretty crazy stat. Uh, but yeah, I think he has a chance, Victor, against him. Uh, I think he has a higher level now, but it is the, the mental issue that of being down 14-1 that I think is the, the biggest issue. Uh, so that will be an exciting match to see at, at some point. 
but I, I don't doubt that in 12 months, I think those two will still be at the top of the rankings. I have high expectations for Anas Antonsen as well. Uh, so do I to Lee Sija from Malaysia. Uh, I think with the level he showed at, at the All England, he is a dark horse for, for all the events. If he can really hit it on all cylinders, he's, he's going to be dangerous for all the, uh, all the big events. So those four are, in my eyes, the, uh, the four favorites to kind of dominate the, the next, uh, in, a, in a year from, uh, from now. Not that there are not other players who could do it as well. Shiyuki, if he gets uh, back to a, a better version of himself, it's going to be exciting to see Chen Long, what he has to offer. Uh, if he can regain the same kind of form he had in, in some periods of the Olympics this time. And also, of course, Ginting to see what, what he can do. Right, guys, that will be it for today. I don't have more that I want to update you on this time, but hopefully I will be back with Polele Gobichan, as I said, in the not too far future and not too distant future. Uh, if that takes a while, I'll be back with another update, maybe after my, my league matches uh, next week. And again, I promise you guys, especially the patrons, that I will be back with also some live Q&As for, for you guys. So if anyone wants to join the more than 50 guys who are guys and girls who are already supporting me on Patreon, it is, as always, patreon.com slash And you can donate any amount you like. It can be just a few cents or dollars. Uh, it, it, it's all fine and very, very appreciated. And you can always stop your support at any time if you don't feel like keeping it up. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and I'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.